Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. We're here to worship. Would you, would you rise? And we're going to begin worship by, by first focusing our attention on God. Uh, this is a psalm that is going to open us up in worship here this morning. Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. We are going to lift up our voices. We're going to raise our voices because God is worthy uh, of our actions and our responses. Serve the Lord with jubilation, with excitement. Let, may, may the people who come here this morning meet God in such a way that, that something of an excited response comes out of us because he is good. May that happen this morning. Come before him with rejoicing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It, it is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We are going to draw near to the Lord in worship this morning. Give thanks to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his faithfulness is to all generations. Let's praise the Lord together this morning. Let's just pause there a moment longer. Lord, it's because you gave your life. It's because of what you've done that we come here this morning. It's because of what you've done that we've stepped forward and received what you said was your body and your blood. We did it out of remembrance for you because you should not be forgotten. Indeed, we are here and we are here as a testimony that you have not forgot us and we have not forgotten you. That we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. That you are our good shepherd and because of that, everything else changes. Lord, as we move through the remainder of this service, may everything else change. Lord, do not leave your sheep the same. You say that my sheep hear my voice and I lead them out and they follow me because they know my voice. I pray this morning for additional levels of sensitivity to your voice in all of the different ways that you are speaking for each one of us here, that we might draw nearer to our good shepherd who has given his life for us. We bless you, Lord. We celebrate you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes to greet one another and for parents to go get activity bins if you would like. There's no kids' church today, but there are activity bins at the back which you can grab and then take to your seats. And then we are going to regather pretty quickly. So enjoy those couple of minutes. We'll come back momentarily. Okay, I'm going to invite you to return to your seats. I told you this would be a quick one. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to go to a place where you meet Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, come. We were reminded last week when Roger Helen spoke that you are everywhere. That's your essential presence. But then he reminded us, Lord, that you, you infuse certain moments and spaces and people with manifest presence. Lord, would you manifest your presence here? 
come, Holy Spirit. In this moment, Lord, as we take this time in prayer, would you tune our hearts into you? Just like the radios we used to use that had dials, and we would slowly turn that knob until the station came into a frequency that was clear. Would you do that in our hearts this morning? And would you equip us to partner with you in it? That there would be clarity and recognition Holy Spirit, for your sake, Lord, I, I pray this morning that, like Isaiah says, as John the Baptist exemplifies. I pray for the removal of barriers, that every mountain that's in the way would be lowered to level ground, and every valley that's become a barrier would be lifted up and made flat prairie land terrain. Make the rough places smooth. Get everything out of the way because those prophets say, the Lord is coming. So Lord, we want to partner with you in your coming in the ways that you manifest your presence. So, Lord, would you now identify in us where there are still barriers, a mountain, a valley, a rough place? And would you begin to speak your peace? Would you begin to cast mountains into the sea? Would you begin to fill in the valleys and sand down the rough places till it's smooth? that our hearts might receive you fully. We take a moment in silence now to let you identify and speak and work as you see fit. Lord, I claim and speak over us your word. Psalm 85, verse 8. I will hear what God the Lord will say. I claim that for my brothers and sisters this morning. We will hear what you will say. 
I will hear what God the Lord will say, for he will speak peace to his people. In Jesus' name, receive peace this morning. Unity Baptist. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, be over you, be in you. My peace I give unto you, Jesus says. We come to meet the Lord who speaks peace to us. Lord, it is out of your promise of peace that we can come in confidence and boldness before you. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. We'll step onto your property, Lord, knowing you're not going to break out against us, knowing that you haven't come to condemn. We'll enter your gates grateful for your work grateful for the invitation to be in proximity to you. Grateful that you are everywhere in your essential presence and grateful that you manifest yourself at special times and places for the sake of your people. We will move from gates to courts toward the inner sanctuary. We will enter your courts with praise because as we draw near, we see you and we fall down and worship that you are worthy. That, oh, I, I, I had thought life was about me and then I stepped in to the court. Then I met the Lord. Lord, I claim your revelation that stepping into your court, stepping into your sanctuary, stepping into the place where you you choose to dwell and make yourself known brings revelation. Psalm 73. I was envying the wicked until, verse 17, I entered the sanctuary of God. Lord, may that be the case this morning that as as mountains are dropped, as valleys are lifted up, as barriers are removed, as we step into your, your presence with gratitude and with praise, there would be things in us that would change as you reveal yourself and it reveals something of us. We had an idolatry here. We worshiped something else. We had a loyalty to something other than you. We had a pursuit and a passion that didn't please you. But we met you, and you revealed something we've been blind to. Lord, would you do that even now?
I bless you, Lord, to continue your work this morning. I bless the work that you are doing. I bless your presence among us. I bless your word. I bless the Lord at all times. Because you're worthy. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy so that your youth, your strength is renewed like the eagles. Lord, would you bring a reminder to each one of us here of where you have done that even recently in our lives? Friends, I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes focused on Jesus there. Keep your eyes closed. We're going to stay in this posture of prayer for a moment, but I'm going to, I'm going to guide you in an interaction with Jesus. Next week, Dallas Kadju is going to stand up on this stage and give a testimony of how Jesus has been working in her life. A testimony is a way of giving a response to God and saying, this is what the Lord has done. It's an offering of worship. In a moment, what I'm going to do is ask you to do something similar. Nothing verbal. I'm not going to ask, I'm not, not going to pass a mic. I'm not going to ask anyone to share a story. I'm just going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to stand if Jesus has in any way healed you in the last couple of years. Whether you got the full healing or it only moved the pain from a 7 out of 10 to a 4, we still give Jesus all credit and glory and honor for that whether that healing remained or some of it came back is irrelevant for this at the moment. If Jesus intervened and touched you in the last couple of years in some way, I'm going to ask you to stand. But it's your option. What I want you to do now is ask the Lord, Lord, 
Ben's going to give me an opportunity to testify by standing. Is that something that you want me to do? Because I know your stories, but I'm not going to pressure you to share your story. This is between you and Jesus. I'm also going to ask people to stand who've gone through inner healing. God met you in some way and brought a breakthrough emotionally, spiritually, that you got through prayer with someone else through an inner healing ministry here in the last couple of years. I want you to ask Jesus, do you want me to stand? Maybe someone came to your house and prayed over you when you had COVID. And that, that prayer, in partnership with the Spirit of God, moved the needle. Maybe you came to the front and someone prayed over you and you felt heat. or the pain reduced. Maybe you got some mobility back. Or a range of motion. This is between you and Jesus, not you and me. So Lord, I seek to bless you with a different form of worship, a standing in, in testimony to say, Jesus did something for me. And we love him. Jesus' name. Amen. Any of you who, I hadn't actually asked you to stand, would you please stand for those of you who fell into some of those categories? It's between you and Jesus. Me too. If you stay standing, look around, friends. Marcus, come on, you got it this week. <laughs> he's an exception because he's my son. This week, dude. This week, Marcus came up to me and said he wasn't feeling well and wasn't able to go to school. And we call the school and say, okay, he's not coming. And I pray over him and it seems like nothing happens. And five minutes later, he comes up to me and says, I can go to school. So we had to call the school back and tell him he was coming. God didn't exactly intervene in the exact way that I wanted, in my exact timing, but he did it. And like I shared a number of weeks ago, we st we've still had sick days in our home, but we've had fewer sick days since God has been moving in this way among us. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Because what, what you guys did was just give a testimony to Jesus of his goodness his intervention. What you also just did was prove the scriptures true.
John the Baptist sends a delegation to Jesus. It says, are you really the one? Is this ministry actually legit? Matthew 11. Jesus' response is, go and report to John what you see and hear. Those who are blind receive sight, and those who are limp walk, and those with leprosy are cleansed, and those who are deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news preached to them. Blessed is any person who does not take offense. He says, look around the room and see the changed lives, because that is the testimony that legitimates my ministry, Jesus says. He does the same thing now in John 10. Would you go to John 10 with me, please? I will read it in a moment. But I want you to catch this before I read it. Okay? That when, when Jesus is being interrogated by the Pharisees, his response to the Pharisees is his same response as to John, uh, as to John the Baptist. He says, They ask him if he's actually the Messiah. Tell us plainly. And Jesus' response is, my sheep hear my voice. People are hearing. And look at the works I've been doing. His response is, look around the room. You remember two weeks ago when we had the kids up front and seven out of eight of them heard Jesus within one minute of me saying, Go to Jesus and ask him this question. Seven out of eight. And and then, so, my sheep hear my voice. Is this ministry legitimate? Well, my sheep hear my voice. Is this ministry legitimate? Well, look how many people just stood up. Look at the works. Would you see that as we dive into this passage? It should be people hearing and things changing in ways that are outside of human things we can do in supernatural ways that actually legitimate the very ministry that Jesus came to bring, that he says he wants to do among his people. So the fruit of what's happening here, to be perfectly blunt, isn't the people that leave. The fruit of what's happening here is the people who stand and the people who hear and the the lives that are being changed. And so our response should be the same as Jesus gave to John the Baptist. Our response should be the same as Jesus gave the Pharisees. He says, look at the evidence, look at the fruit. People are being healed. My sheep are hearing my voice. That's the response. Let's see it for ourselves, okay? I need to set up John 10. John 10, if you just drop into it devotionally, and I certainly bless you to do that, when you drop into John 10 devotionally and you go, Lord, I just need to land on, you are my good shepherd. I bless you to do that. It's perfectly legitimate, okay? He is our good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Absolutely. Go for it. But my sheep hear my voice, and I am the good shepherd, comes in the context of people responding poorly to the fact that Jesus healed a blind man. So if we're going to read Scripture in context, in order to get to John 10, we need to read John 9. And it's in John 9 that Jesus heals the man born blind. So I'm just going to read those first few verses. He, Jesus, saw a man who'd been blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but so that the works of God might be displayed in him, we must. Remember, we we had that sermon. We, not Jesus, not just Jesus, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. And then he goes on and heals the man born blind. And the response from that is the Pharisees get upset because they can't figure out how Jesus did this. They had this whole interrogation with the man who was born blind. 
They eventually kick him out. Jesus finds the man born blind, and we'll pick it up now in verse 35 of chapter 9. Jesus heard that they had put the man he had just healed out of the synagogue, and upon finding him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered him saying, who is he, sir, that I might believe him? And Jesus said, you have both seen him, and he is the one who's talking to you. It's me, Jesus says. And the man born blind says, I believe, Lord, and he worshiped him. And Jesus' response is, for judgment I came into this world, so that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And who is he speaking to? Look at the next verse. Those who were with him from the Pharisees heard these things and said to him, well, we're not blind too, are we? Jesus' response is, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. And then you see this giant number 10, complete chapter break, as though the next thing out of Jesus' mouth has absolutely nothing to do with this entire episode. Scrap the 10, okay? It's the next breath. Jesus' next breath is a parable. I will come back to that possibly. His next breath is a parable. He says, truly, I say to you, the one who does not enter by the door to the fold of the sheep, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. Okay, I'll I'll do that. This is where we enter into the good shepherd narrative. It's a response to the Pharisees who don't get it, who are saying, we see while entirely missing the point of Jesus healing the man born blind. His response to them is both an explanation and a cover-up for what he just did. If you, if you notice the way that Jesus uses parables in the Gospels, they are often in response to people who say they get it and actually don't. They're not illustrations. They're a way of describing the truth in such a way that some who want more will sit down with that parable and go, I need to figure this out, and they will ask Jesus about it. And those who are already blind like the Pharisees, it's just going to cover it up for them because they're saying we won't get it and we don't want to, and it's actually a merciful act on God's part because we are accountable for what we know. And if God reveals more to us, it increases our judgment if we do not respond in the way that he wants. And so that's why Jesus often uses parables, because it both explains something and invites people in for those who want more and are hungry, and it pushes people away who are already pushing Jesus away. It's a merciful act so that they don't incur further judgment on themselves as God continues to reveal things and do things among them. And this is the only parable we have in John. And Jesus responds with the parable as the Pharisees claim to see, but missed entirely the point of what happened with the healing of the man born blind. skip ahead. Skip ahead. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Verse 10. I've come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd, Jesus goes on to say. I lay down my life for the sheep. We read that during communion. I'm not going to repeat it here, except to say that he, he emphasizes in this passage that my sheep hear my voice. Verse 17, 16, sorry. My sheep hear my voice. They will listen to my voice. They will become one flock his response to people who are opposing him and saying, this isn't of God, is to say, if it's not of God, why are sheep hearing my voice? The fact that kids sat up front here and said, we heard God, is a testimony that God's at work.
this doesn't evoke the response that they want. They start having an argument. Verse 19, dissension occurred among the Jews. They're all Jews, so this is Jewish leadership. Because of what Jesus was saying, many of them were saying, this guy's got a, this guy's got a demon. He's insane. Why would you listen to him? While others were saying, but, but demon-possessed people don't open the eyes of the blind. See, the topic is still the fact that Jesus healed someone. Now go on. John stitches another episode together on the same topic. At that time, the Feast of Dedication, verse 22, this took place in Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple area. And the Jews surrounded him. Um, this, is, um, this is a hostile term. This isn't like a bunch of people just sort of pulled up alongside him. Uh, like the Greek is a hostile word. Okay? This is a hostile term. They surround him. So this is an interrogation. And they, they begin saying to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Identify yourself. So the topic here is, identify yourself. And Jesus says, I told you, but you don't believe. And then what does he point to? The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. What are the works being done as you stood? What do they testify to? What else does he say? But you don't believe because you're not of my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We, we have works as you stood. We have testimony of, of people hearing. Those are the very two things that Jesus points to as he's interrogated by people who aren't happy with the things that are going on in Jesus' ministry. And he says, the defense of my ministry is that there's fruit. These people stood, those people heard. Read between the lines is what Jesus says to them. He goes on. I'm going fast on purpose. Skip down to verse 37. If I don't do the works of my Father, don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works, the people that stood up, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and therefore I'm in the Father. Sorry, I, I should have pointed out verse 32, because he does the same thing there. They pick up stones to stone him, and Jesus replied, I showed you many good works from the Father. And then he points back to the works. So he keeps pointing to the people that stood. He, he keeps pointing to the man who was born blind that is now seeing who is among them. And it's a testimony of who God is and how he, it, it's a legitimation of his ministry. So as you have reflected and I know you have, because I hear buzz, about what, what has gone on at Unity in the last couple of years. I don't know how to respond, except this is the book. This is what we were asking for. People started hearing. People st started being healed. Sheep are hearing the voice. Lives are being changed. Dallas is going to stand up here next week and tell about how Jesus is changing her life. The, the, not that I feel like there needs to be a defense, but the explanation for what God is doing is in the room. That's a really good thing. But we also have to be aware that there are people who experience the same things in the room and aren't seeing it. And Jesus' invitation to them, Jesus' Jesus' response to them, 
is still the same. It's look at the people who stood and the people who were here. And the response of those who don't, who haven't seen what Jesus is, who aren't getting what Jesus is saying, is that they want to arrest him and kill him. Verse 39. It it costs. It costs. There are some paradigms that need to be laid down. I told you about this the other week, and I saw some of you nodding. I thought we were just going to have revival by sharing more good stories of how God, you know, supernaturally intervened. It doesn't work out that way in this book, which means that my paradigm needs to change. I'm not telling stories anymore in hopes of convincing you of anyone. I can't do it. God grants each person a measure of freedom to to see or not see, to accept or reject. But But I will continue telling stories and we will continue to give testimony because the testimony still does point people to Jesus. And that's what Jesus wants. That's a paradigm that needs to change. There's a paradigm that needs to change that says, my sheep hear my voice is only salvation. And, and that hearing from the Lord is not fundamental to our walk with God. That paradigm needs to change because my sheep hear my voice is about following the shepherd. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, I'm not going to ride that hobby horse again. I just ride it every single opportunity I get. Um, that's a paradigm that needs to change. There's a paradigm that needs to change that says, um, when Jesus says, Jesus is doing works to testify. But the works that you and I are going to do are just to be better people. Like we're going to be really, we're going to sort of out-ethic the most ethical people and, you know, just be more moral. In context, the works that Jesus is talking about is the guy who was born blind who is now currently seeing. And when Jesus says to his disciples, we must, that includes every single person in this room. We must do the works of him who called us. And what works are he talking about? He, are, are, is he talking about? He is not talking about simply being more moral. He is, though you should be. He, he's talking about gathering a group of people who will so imitate Jesus that the same things Jesus did we will step into and do because that is following the book. That is following this Jesus. That these works are the works that you should do and you and I need to do because Jesus says, you will do the same works I do and greater. I'm just quoting Jesus. Will we grab that? and step into it so that the next time that your kids are sick, you go and lay hands on them, and then God does something. And and we're going to need to grow in this. I'm not claiming any cool stuff for myself. God's just, as, as people are starting to take God at his word, God is starting to back up his word in our lives because we trust God. He will do the same thing in your life. And we will see more than we have seen. See, the paradigm that needs to change in us is that the only things that we're going to see are the things we've already seen. There's no hope in that. And that that nullifies God's word. Our paradigms need to change. And our paradigms need to change so that we, when we meet this Jesus and he says, 
my sheep hear my voice, will say, I will learn to hear your voice. When he says, we must do this, we will learn to say, we will follow you in that. As we, um, we're going to have a little bit more worship in a moment, and then we're going to have an opportunity to pray for more people. Um, if you want prayer for whether it's healing or just some sort of support or whatever it is, um, we're trying to do this about once a month uh, during, as we do like on a communion Sunday. We, typically it's been our, um, just some people from our Sunday night group who go out and say, we'd be happy to pray for you. Like things changed when we, we started doing that. And we started getting some, some people got healed. And some of you stood up today precisely because we did that. It, but none of us sort of brought this with us. And the, the, the amazing thing about being here in this, this church, in this pulpit, is that <laughs> you all know I'm nobody special. Um, that I, I've been with you for a long time. Um, I'm not bringing something special to the table. God takes ordinary people and, and chooses to do cool things with them because he said he would. He, he's going to do this for you too. But only if our paradigm changes. See, the risk of preaching about the Pharisees is that we, as evangelical readers, automatically associate with Jesus and therefore say the Pharisees are the bad guys, we're not like them. But the point of putting them into Scripture is that they were the most religious, God-fearing, God-seeking people among everyone. So if there's church people in Scripture, it's the Pharisees. And they're the ones who say we see, and Jesus says, actually, you're still And the test of whether or not we fall into that camp is whether or not we're recognizing that people are hearing his voice and there are greater works being done and we see that it's an invitation to all of us. That's the test in John 9 and 10. So would you close your eyes with me and let's just ask the Lord this question. Lord, What does this mean for me? I'd also like you to ask the Lord, Lord, do I need to give a testimony? Not right now. I'm going to give you a week to chew on it. But Lord, are you calling me to to share about something that you've done in my life so that Dallas isn't the only one on the stage next week? Lord Jesus, we give you all praise and glory and honor. You are amazing that there are people standing here because you you showed yourself to be true to your word. You showed that you are the good shepherd who cares for your sheep. You showed that you as we sang earlier, are the same God. You were a healer then, you are a healer now. You moved in power then, you move in power now. You're the same God. Lord, I I pray the blessing of Jesus over each one of us that as as Jesus pointed John the Baptist's disciples to the signs, to the testimony, he ended with, blessed is the one who does not take offense. And I pray that blessing over each one of us, that we would be people who would not be offended by what you do. That we will be a people who will celebrate when you work that we will be a people who will implore you to do this and more, that that your words might be proved true, that that we would do the greater works, Jesus says, 
Just as he told the disciples, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, that one will do the same, and greater works than these, that one will do, because I'm going to the Father, and whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, so that, may there be greater works, Lord, here at Unity Baptist, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Glorify the Father in the Son at Unity Baptist. I'd hope for an amen. Oh, man. Oh, dear. Amen, Lord. Amen. We will follow you. Amen. Could I invite the people who are going to come pray? Come on up. Um, just pray for... Anyone who would like to come forward that Sunday night team, could you guys come on up? Hebrews 6. Verse 1. Came to me while we were worshiping there. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ, Christ and press on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, of instructions, of baptisms, and the laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And we will do this if God permits. Let us go deeper. Let's see what we haven't seen. If you want to turn a grave into a garden and you want prayer for that, We've got people here who would be happy to pray for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And may he bring his word to life in your life this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace.